In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Question. Why would the disciples want to stop someone from working in Jesus' name? Why would they apparently prefer that demon-possessed people go on being demon-possessed and that the unnamed exorcists in our text immediately cease and desist? Why should the name of Jesus not be used in this way at this time by this person? It had been a tough stretch for the disciples. Earlier in this same chapter, Peter, James, and John had descended the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus only to find the other disciples arguing with the teachers of the law. What are you arguing about with them? Jesus asked. A man in the crowd answered. Teacher, he said, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. He's been like this from childhood. It has often thrown him to fi- it has often thrown him into fire and water to kill him. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. They could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Now, these weren't exactly words of ministerial affirmation and support. And they stung the disciples, I would bet. After all, here they were, the called, the chosen, the set-apart, the inner circle, the only men on the face of the earth who got their doctrine and practice immediately and directly from the horse's mouth, so to speak. And they had failed. They had failed publicly. They had failed embarrassingly. They had failed miserably. And in the aftermath of all this failure, it would have been logical for them to assume that if exercising this particular brand of demon had been beyond them, the chosen insiders, then certainly, certainly it had to be beyond everyone else. (laughs) Except it wasn't beyond everyone else. Not long afterward, the disciples saw a man driving out demons in the name of Jesus, and they told him to stop. Why? Why would the disciples want to stop someone from working in the name of Jesus? Why would they apparently prefer that demon-possessed people go on being demon-possessed and that the exorcists immediately cease and desist? Why should the name of Jesus not be used in this way at this time by this person? Well, the answer they gave was clear and straightforward. Because he's not one of us. Jesus 
I can almost hear them say. He's not received the same kind of training and instruction and insight that we have. He's not asked your permission. He's not passed pre-certification interviews. He's not credentialed. Jesus, he needs some kind of ecclesiastical supervision or he'll do something wrong. He'll confuse the two kingdoms. He'll gravitate toward a theology of glory. I mean, Jesus, can you imagine how out of control and chaotic ministry will get if we have no form Formal mechanism to make sure that he always operates decently and in good order? Jesus, the truth will tumble, right doctrine will disappear, and the proper practice will perish from the face of this earth, and all because he's not one of us. It happens in our circles as well. In the aftermath of 9-11, a number of national memorial services were held. I was watching one of these events on the TV that used to be down in the field house. Billy Graham was called upon to deliver a sermon at that event, and during the course of his 10-minute message, the fourth-year student who was watching with me was able to correctly incisively, victoriously, and dare I say proudly, identify each and every theological shortcoming contained in Billy Graham's sermon. But the person and work of Jesus was still preached, and the comfort of the gospel was still shared, and millions and millions of people got to hear it and see it. And it never dawned on my young friend to respond by saying, Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus says, No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Did you catch that? Whoever is not against us is for us. But we don't always see it that way, do we? Comedian Emo Phillips tells this story. In conversation with a person I had recently met, I asked, are you Protestant or Catholic? My new acquaintance replied, Protestant. I said, me too. What denomination? He answered, Baptist. Me too, I said, Northern or Southern Baptist? Northern Baptist, he replied. Me too, I shouted. We continued to go back and forth like this for some time. Finally, I asked, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist, Great Lakes Region Council of 1879, or... Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. He replied, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lake Regents Council of 1912. I said, die, heretic. <laughs> now, please don't get me wrong. 
I am not saying that the difference we have, differences we have with those who are outside our fellowship are unimportant or illegitimate. And I am not saying that those differences should simply be swept under the rug. But what I am asking you to consider is that as you learn how to think critically here at the seminary, please be aware that it's very, very easy to move from thinking critically to becoming critical. Critical of everyone who isn't one of us and everything that they do, even when they do it in the name of Jesus. A while back, a Lutheran pastor friend of mine suffered a stroke and he was paralyzed on his left side from the waist down and that left him in the hospital. It was so bad that his left leg had to be fitted with a brace just to keep his foot from flopping around. If he wanted to go anywhere than a few feet in any direction, he had to be pushed there in a wheelchair. A week after my friend was released from the hospital, still paralyzed on the lower left side, he attended a service of healing held at a church that is affiliated with a denomination which may share our formal principle, but certainly does not share our material principle. He attended a service of healing that was conducted by a clergyman who most definitely is not one of us. And my friend walked away from that service healed in the name of Jesus. He walked away healed and whole again in the name of Jesus. So what do we do with that? Well, we could react like the disciples reacted. We could get upset. We could get defensive. We could become critical and maybe even a little jealous that that outsider is doing things in Jesus' name that we can't do or won't do. We could ask Jesus to stop him, to issue a kind of theological restraining order. We could ask Jesus not to work that way because it makes us uncomfortable and because it falls out of our normal piety and practice. Or maybe, just maybe we could acknowledge that the name of Jesus is way more powerful than we oftentimes realize, and we could simply say, Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Brothers and sisters, when we hear about people outside our fellowship doing great things, incredible things, miraculous things in the name of Jesus, instead of criticizing them, maybe we should hear and heed the words of old Gamaliel once again. Leave those men alone, he said. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. 
But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop them. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Or to put it another way, ours is a wild, reckless, uncontrollable God who loves in wild, reckless, and uncontrollable ways. Neither he nor his love for us and for all people will be controlled, contained, or domesticated. No, he is, as St. Louis so colorfully puts it, he is not a safe lion. But he is good. And in the name of Jesus, he is always doing good things for us and to us, and yes, through us. Wild, uncontrollable love led your Lord to live and die and live again for you. Wild and uncontrollable love like this always leads to wild and uncontrollable ministry done in his name. And where and when you hear of this kind of ministry, where and when you see this ministry, where and when you receive this ministry, and where and when you actually do this ministry, that is the time, and that is the place to say, Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.